You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Wednesday, January 10th, episode 3340. Good morning, horse people. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We have a fun show planned for you today. We, we, a couple of weeks ago, we tried to get Jane Meyer on from Equiculture.net to talk to us about dung beetles, but uh, we had a connection issue that day. Well, she's coming back. I've confirmed. We got everything set up. So she you should finally, be here. Yes. You finally get to talk about your I poop do. beetles. I do. It seems like this is the year of poop. When you were gone last Friday, I did a whole segment on poop in 1894. So it's the year of poop. That's what our topic is. Congratulations. Apparently, we're going to be talking a lot about this this year. And we also have our first in a series by Morton Buildings on designing considerations to help you ensure you get the barn you want for now and into the future. That's a three-part series, and we'll give you part one today. Uh, you have weird news? Uh, yeah, just a, just a little. Okay, good, good. Well, I'll tell you what. We had a wild day here in Florida and the south, all over the south, all over the east coast, actually, yesterday. Um, so we got hit. Uh, the panhandle got it worse than we did down here. Um, they had a lot of damage from tornadoes up there. Uh, but uh, when it hit Ocala, there was a 1.4 tornado warnings. They were tracking signatures of four tornadoes all around Ocala. And it got really, really windy here at the house, you know, for about 10 minutes. Uh, and I could tell, well, that's, this is windier than normal. And then it turns out that about a half a mile from us, they were tracking what they thought was a tornado. So that was pretty close. Uh, one of our listeners, who also was an auditor, Heather, whose house we stayed at the last hurricane, was in her bathroom. And she texted us during that and said, what the hell? So <laughs> <laughs> she was a little nervous over there. Apparently, she was getting really bad. And then when I looked at the map, the little dot where the tornado warning started was like over her house. Oh so gosh. she didn't have damage. She was okay, um, other than being a little terrified. But there were a couple of actually RV parks that got taken out with the RVs rolled over. I can't imagine being in one of those when that happened. I will tell you, I, I, you know, my mom is in a, in a, in a facility in, let's see, I guess it would be Palatka, Florida. Right. Yeah. So I, I looked at the map yesterday and this storm was stretching from basically the bottom of Florida all the way up to Canada. It and it was crazy. So I call her and I'm like, mom, I just want to see if you're okay. And she's like, yeah. Your brother just got here. He has been, and he, I hear him in the background going, mom, there was tornadoes. I couldn't come. And she's like, I don't understand what the big deal is. There's nothing going on. And I was like, Justin, could you please wheel her to the window? Just please just let her see. She was like, I don't understand why he wasn't here earlier. Justin's like, there's tornadoes. It was a wild day. It really was. So not everybody noticed that there was weather going on. It was pretty wild. I felt like you, I mean, out there in Tornado Alley yesterday. Uh, so. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, you don't have, and Florida doesn't have the extreme 
weather tracking systems that they have here. I mean, they'll tell you where it's been, where it's going, and where it's heading, and, you know, next. And it's you know, crazy. the other thing we don't have, safe rooms or basements. So, yeah. I mean, there's that. You mean too. you don't have a built-in tornado shelter no. in your no. house? That's no. so weird. You get into the innermost room, which is usually a closet or a bathroom, like, that's really going to help, right? Um, but there were some bizarre pictures, too, of houses that were between really narrow houses, and the, the middle one was cocked on its side. It's like, how did that happen? The other two are fine. It's just bizarre. Weather is bizarre. But anyway, we're here. We survived. And we found out from our neighbors up at the new property that the stuff we have up there already survived. So all all is good for us. Not so much for other people here in Florida. And guess what? Round two, Friday. So, Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. So be safe, everybody. We hope everybody survived okay and their properties did as well and you get your power back soon. You know what's really fun is it in Monday, Sunday and Monday, it's supposed to be like negative 20 here wind chill. So that's oh, going to be fun. You Do you know what's really awesome about that is I am going out of town. So <laughs> <laughs> I told my farm sitter, I'm like, I got round bells and blankets on. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Daily Winnie time. Happy birthday to a couple of our auditors, Sabrina Penrod, and two of our longest auditors, Susanna Hahn and our cruising buddy, Lynn. They've been auditors for eight years since we started this, and we're going to see Lynn in a couple of weeks. We'll see you on the cruise. She has never missed a cruise. She's been on every one of them. She so. actually also helped me at the Thoroughbred Makeover with my um, with my freestyle. There you go. Well, She's Lynn, awesome. Lynn, we're looking forward to seeing you there. And your turn. Man, I had just a week just and it's our it's only Wednesday, but Monday afternoon I got an email from New Vocations. And New Vocations is the adoption organization that I adopted my American Pharaoh baby from American Hustle, who I called Pharaoh, uh, who I lost um a couple weeks ago. And they messaged me and they were like, Hey, we just wanted to see if this is okay. If it's not, we will totally pull it. It's up to you. I don't want to upset you, but they did a photo shoot with Pharaoh before I got him. And he was only there like three days, but he was so chill that they did a photo shoot with him and they're like sending a professional out, photographer and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and they have him like Western walking around on in the field. And, uh, these pictures are beautiful. And they said, we would totally not publish these in our newsletter if it will upset you. So please let us know. I thought that was so incredibly kind of them. They were like, we know you went through a lot with him and we don't want to upset you. And, we just want to see what you think. And I was like, they're beautiful. And what a, I said, what a great way to continue his memory, number one. And number two, like to show a thoroughbred that's off the track for two days and he's tacked up Western walking around in the field. I'm like, yeah, pu- publish them. I think it's beautiful. And, and so it was just very kind of them to uh, reach out to me. And then, so I, that happened. And then in the afternoon, I go get the mail. And oh my God, Claire Runnelson is an, an auditor, a new auditor of ours. And she drew a picture of Pharaoh and mailed it to me. It sent a really sweet letter. She, it's 
it's like a colored pencil kind of drawing and it is so beautiful. She even included, oh, it made me cry, the scar on his face from where I super glued his face together. <laughs> oh my gosh. Please this, tell me there was a can of super glue right beside it. <laughs> oh, it's just so good. And I mean, there was no question who it was when I opened it up and it was just such a beautiful thing, Claire. Thank you so much. That was just incredibly kind and I only cried twice that day. So <laughs> it's fine. But like to see the little scar that where I super glued his face together. <laughs> together it's like oh my god it was so it, it was beautiful and a very sweet gesture and claire it was very sweet and i'm giving you a hug thank you thank you claire appreciate it and we did have a couple of new auditors too i wanted to acknowledge susan weber and rena mcfarlane we want to welcome both of you if you haven't joined the auditor room just search for hrn auditors on facebook and we'll let you in now because you've joined the club and remember if he pronounces your name wrong it's a badge of honor mcfarlane i guess i don't know how else you would say that one could be Rena. You don't know. Oh, it could be Rena. Yeah. <laughs> we I was looking know. at McFarlane. I wasn't looking at the four-letter word. Um, we had <laughs> we yeah, there was a news story that we know everybody involved. So and they've been on our show. So I wanted to cover it, and that is Michael Blowen started uh, years ago. I think at twenty years ago he moved to Lexington, Kentucky, and he started something called Old Friends Farm. You've heard Michael on this show several times and we've met him in person and have taken tours and done all of that and uh, old friends is a place basically where all the kind of famous old retired thoroughbreds who are no longer breeding or no or were geldings all go to live and they actually started satellite facilities all i mean there's one in new york there's the one in lexington i think there's one other one i mean I, they had rapid redots in new york who just passed i have a picture of him on my wall like they, this is a, an amazing organization amazing facility and it was a dream that michael blowen had and I was fairly shocked to read the news, but when you read further, it's not as, I guess, terrifying as I thought. <laughs> well, he decided that he's going to join his racehorses and going to have his own paddock. Um, <laughs> he's going. He's going to retire. You can pay to go give him cookies. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> he's going to retire. He decided that. Well, he started out with a few horses. I remember visiting that place back in like 2008 when we lived in Lexington, and it was it was maybe 25 horses, and he had individual paddocks for every one too. That was the other thing, and then it grew into hundreds of horses, and you know it became a full-time job that I don't think he was counting on. You know, it was a lot of work. So he's stuck with it this long. And, uh, you know, he's been, you know, he's not young, uh, Michael. So congratulations to him for getting to retire. And thank you for all the hard work you did for these retired heroes of ours. And also, uh, we know the guy who's taken over. So Jack Nicholson, who was the director of John. The, uh, John. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Actually, they call him Jack, too. It's it's both. Um, so John Nicholson is how we know him. Um, but uh, he's taking over. He was the former head of the Kentucky Horse Park during the World Equestrian Games and all of that stuff. He was the head of the Kentucky Horse Park for a long time. And then he went to the Virginia Horse Park. And now he's coming back to Lexington, and he's going to take over as executive director of Old Friends. And he's going to be the man in charge. I was chatting with him yesterday. He's a good friend of ours. He's always been very kind to horses in the morning matter of fact he co-hosted this show one time when you were out oh wow from his office at the kentucky horse park that's how long ago this was he took over the horse park when i was in school there i went to the equine management school at the horse park and he took over and that was i was 18 that i mean he was 
he he was entrenched in Lexington culture back then, you know. Uh, so he takes over. But I was so concerned that, you know, first of all, you read this and you're like, oh, no, old friends is going away. Well, it's not. And Michael's not actually going anywhere. He's no. just handing over the reins of being the be CEO. The place. You know that. <laughs> it's like guys like that never retire. <laughs> So, yeah, so John's taking over. Congratulations to John. I was chatting with him a little bit yesterday. So uh, at the end of February, after he's had a month under his belt, he's going to come on and talk to us about it. So Cool. Uh, he's a good friend of the show. Now, speaking of the Kentucky Horse Park, we, when we did the World of Question, the 2010 radio show, which is about the World of Question Games, and Samantha and I did that back when the games was in Lexington, we had a very close working relationship with Visit Lexington, Visit Lex it's called. And they're the tourist bureau for Lexington and we did a lot of things with them and we, we had some fun with them. And they're very creative and they're a very industrious group. Well, they did something that was rather interesting yesterday that made the news and I'd like to play the audio for you. It's about two minutes, but trust me, this is real. This is not a parody. This actually did happen. This is the first time that we as a species have ever sent out a travel ad inviting aliens to come visit. Lexington, Kentucky just beamed the world's first interstellar travel ad into outer space. With the help of local scientists and scholars, Visit Lex created an advertising campaign designed to invite extraterrestrials to visit Lexington. Using a modified laser, the message was aimed at the TRAPPIST-1 star system, 40 light years away. We're targeting the TRAPPIST-1 system because we might actually get an answer in somebody's lifetime if there's somebody there watching. But the reason uh, scientists have been interested in it lately is because of the large number of planets that it has and what is considered to be the habitable zone. So there could be life there. Why not send a signal and see if they answer? The message contains a bitmap key with prime numbers, the elements of life, molecules for water, ethanol, and dopamine, plus horses and Lexington's iconic bluegrass landscape. The message also contained a collection of images representing Lexington, a selfie from the transmission event, and an audio recording from local blues legend T.D. Young. Of all of the things that we've been beaming into space, why not a positive, friendly message? I think saying, hey, we're nice and friendly people, and we have horses and bourbon, and dopamine, um, don't eat us. We have this neat hub of creativity. It's just people who get to have the freedom to think a little bit differently. It does seem as if it's this place that is very welcoming. Here's our chance to really demonstrate that we are a beautiful culture, a beautiful community, and that we want to share that with the galaxy, that we're the best place on Earth. The message was sent with FAA approval from the Kentucky Horse Park. So far, no unusual activity has been reported in the skies above Lexington, but we'll be waiting. There you go. <laughs> you know what my thought was? Like, you send all of those images of beautiful horses and Kentucky to the outer space, and those people that receive it or beings that receive it are going to think that the whole world looks like this yeah. and they're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> I thought it all looked like Lexington. <laughs> I love the comment. Don't eat us. And don't eat us. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest part of the whole thing. So yeah. there you go. Kentucky horse park at Le and visit Lex thinking outside the box. Um, either that or they're really desperate for tourists. I'm not that sure. Which. Or they're going <laughs> to end the world. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, tell us about Cosequin, and then we'll talk a little bit about barn building. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Uh, Cosequin <laughs> ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers, molasses, and alfalfa all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of their ingredients shine through for a difference that you can see. Visit CosequinEquine.com. Welcome to Barn Building 101, brought to you by Morton Buildings at MortonBuildings.com. Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning. We started a couple educational series last year that were a huge hit with uh, with you guys. And one of them was on horse insurance and the other one on trailers and trailer safety. And they proved very popular and educational. So we asked what else you wanted to hear about. And building a barn was high on the list. I know that's something that Jennifer and I are probably going to be doing very soon, too. So this is timely. Joining us for this series is Dennis Lee, equestrian product line manager at Morton Buildings. And this uh, part one of three, we're going to discuss design considerations to help you ensure you get the barn you want for now and into the future. Dennis, we've all heard of Morton Buildings, but tell us a little bit about the company. Sure. Thanks, Clint. Um, so Morton Buildings was founded in 1903 as the uh, interlocking fence company. We started out in the, the mail order woven wire business, basically. And over the years, transitioned from the fencing component business to building packages and then eventually evolved into uh, turnkey erected building shells. We are the, the nation's leader in the post-frame building industry. We design, manufacture, deliver, and erect our own uh, building product. Well, Dennis, one of the things that we're looking at at our property now, and we have five acres, uh, brand new, you know, barren land, is where do you put the barn? And, you know, where do you, how do you figure out what's the best place to plop it? So let's talk about that first. Yeah, so that's that's a great question. And, uh, you know, site prep and site selection uh, is, is probably one of the most important uh, things to consider when building a new barn. A lot of the uh, just nightmare stories that I see and hear from, um, you know, customers building barns were, were poorly selected or poorly prepped sites. So we all know in the wintertime, horses like to like to create a lot of mud and, and nobody likes dealing with muddy, wet, slippery, uh, you know, which creates a, an unsafe environment. So drainage is number one, um, you know, a, a properly graded drainage drained site we want uh, we like to see a site that has a minimum of a one percent slope away from the building for probably 10 to 15 feet uh, without it being a major you know steep incline you know so we don't want a 45 degree angle climb into the building you know site prep is something that we highly recommend you uh, enlist the help of a professional you know go ahead and flag your site out and shoot some elevations and uh, you know and determine what sort of grading is required prior to the building a major mistake that we see a lot of owners make is to just build the building and then try and address the site and the drainage and the grading after the building is built which is uh, never delivers a good result uh, the other thing we want to consider is zoning uh, permitting 
you know, what sort of plan requirements your local county or township may have, things like setbacks or maximum footprint requirements. So again, another good opportunity to enlist the, the help of a professional that has you know, experience in your area. And you, know, you can always start with a phone call to your local zoning or uh, building code office and ask them you know, what portions of your barn will require a permit and what their requirements are gonna be upfront. Uh, this is not a case where you're better to ask forgiveness than permission. So a phone call to the county or township ahead of time will uh, will save you a lot of headache. And if you're not pouring concrete for this thing, uh, what do you recommend for for the base? So a good firm uh, clay or limestone base. You know you don't you don't want um, to have mud issues as you go along. So a good firm base. You want to remove topsoil and organic material and and place that somewhere else in the facility and just make sure you have a good firm base uh, with good drainage around the building that's that's not so steep you can't get into it you know think about your access Uh, how are you going to get to and from the building with loads of hay loads of bedding how is your farrier going to get to the building Uh, if you have an emergency are you going to be able to get to the building with a you know veterinarian vehicle in the dark in the winter time and that type of thing and also your big horse trailer how are you Absolutely. maneuvering it around? You know, which- getting getting in, getting turned around, yeah. getting backed up to. You know, these are these are all things we highly recommend. Uh, make an investment in some survey flags and a measuring tape, and just go out there and stick some flags on the ground and get a good visual representation of what your building is going to look like uh, on your site. Very good. Well, let's talk about now that you've determined where you're going to put it you got to determine how big it's going to be, right? And how many stalls you're going to have and tack room and washroom and all of that stuff. So uh, let's start there. How do you determine size? So number one complaint, when we go back and interview uh, horse customers or, uh, you know, equine facility customers after the fact, I didn't build it big enough. (laughs) You know, we, we built a barn for my wife and my daughter to have a horse. Well, now you know, horses seem to multiply. Yes, you know, <laughs> horses, they're herd animals, right? So we end up with a lot more than we thought we were going to, or the husband's decided he's going to get into trail riding also. So number one complaint, I didn't build it big enough. Uh, so if, if you plan to build a building for three horses, we highly recommend that you build a building large enough to accommodate four to six stalls. That doesn't mean that you have to actually complete the remaining stalls, but having space in that building to add those stalls at a later date uh, is very important. The buildings are not getting less expensive over time, so there is no better time than now to build a building that is the size that you may need for your future uh, needs. The other thing that we see, um, we'll have clients come to us and say, I need a four stall barn. Well, you know, the, the number of stalls is is one of the, it's obviously an important consideration, but it's not all there is in a barn, right? So horses require a lot of stuff. So we want to make sure and not underestimate our storage needs. So uh, you upsize your tack room. We love to see a tack and feed room as separate rooms so that you're not, uh, you know, enticing rodents to be in the same room as your uh, tack. Uh ancillary storage so where are your wintertime blankets uh your paraphernalia you take to horse shows with you rubber tubs spare feed buckets pitchforks wheelbarrows you know there's just a lot of stuff in stall barns and we want to make sure that we have good safe functional storage for all those items one of the things that we've talked about in the past on on a number of the shows that's something that 
if you're buying a current place that's had an older barn that you have a problem with and don't think about when you buy it is ventilation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so what do you guys do in, in when it comes to ventilation? What do you recommend? So horses, my personal horses, uh, consume and then subsequently give off 10 to 20 gallons of water a day. That is going to be in the in the form of urination or perspiration. So that has to go somewhere. It's going to go initially into your bedding and then into the atmosphere of your building. So ventilation is absolutely key in your stall barns. Uh, we use a combination of things. Uh, you're better off to overventilate than underventilate and have a air quality problem. So we use... You know, obviously windows and doors, but uh, it's also important to have ventilated overhangs. Our minimum overhang is going to be 12 inches. Uh, we also offer two, three, and four foot ventilated overhangs, as well as a combination of ventilated ridge caps and powered cupolas, so a, a functional cupola with a fan in it. And we will typically put those fans on uh, either a thermostat or a humidistat. So a humidistat being the fan will cut, cut itself on uh, when the humidity in the barn reaches a certain level. So, you know, a part of ventilation goes back to uh, st your stalls and the setup of your barn, right? How, how mm. it's set up and how much access the, you have to air to the outside, how enclosed the barn is. Um, so that that also goes back to stall size, something that we didn't touch upon. Do you – is there a recommended stall size? Do you find people want to under – want to make them too small? Is it 10 by 10, 12 by 12, you know, 14 by 14? Yeah, 10 by 10 is the minimum stall size we offer. Uh, honestly, we, we build a very small amount of 10 by 10 stalls every year. 12 by 12 is going to be our uh, most common size. We'll see people on occasion require a 10 by 10 stall, say they have a mini or they have Arabians or they have a smaller sized horse and they're just trying to save a few dollars by undersizing those stalls. We highly recommend against that for several reasons. For one, it is... Is horse safety. So, you know, a smaller, a smaller size stall, a horse is much more likely to get cast in, mm. which is a safety issue for the horse and for the uh, handler. Uh, the other consideration is resale. So if th this building is likely going to outlive most all of us. So these buildings, for the most part, have life beyond the initial owner. What we don't want to see you do is build a stall barn with many and Arabian size stalls uh, that then causes you a resale issue, you know, if you're in a, a quarter horse or a warm blood or a draft type of market down the road. Uh, so the other thing to take into consideration and that uh, we're having to look at, too, is lighting and electrical and utilities in general, water, the mm -hmm. whole thing. And I think this is another area that people tend to underestimate. I could be wrong, but you tend to build it and there's never enough light. Uh, it never just enough, always seems never that enough light. <laughs> yeah. So I was, you know, in, in the early years of building our farm, I was guilty of that as well, right? You just want to get the barn built, get the horses in before winter and you deal with the rest of it later. We went for a year with no lights in our barn and that was just absolutely miserable. You know, one, one thing that's different, um, between a, an equestrian facility and a farm shop or storage building, you're going to be in this stall barn every day usually multiple times a day. And in my case, it's going to be before daylight 
and after dark, especially once the time changes. So lighting is absolutely key. You know, uh, what we love to do in, um, in grooming stables and wash stalls is we'll run two lights parallel to the horse's body. Your farrier and your veterinarian will love you if there's not huge shadows under the horse. Uh, don't forget exterior lighting. So, of course, we want to have lights in the stalls. Uh, we like to have shedding lights for show horses or lights to help sync up broodmares. Uh, again, the lights in the wash and tack stalls for farriers and grooming, but also exterior lights. And not just your decorative gooseneck light over the barn end door, but some good projection floodlights on the corners you know when when you have a horse run by the window in the middle of the night and you think somebody's loose in the barnyard you're really going to appreciate having plenty of light on that barn to help you uh you know help get everything together you know water is another issue a lot of people use automatic waters now obviously we had a, the last boarding stable where you're at they did something that i've never seen it was the dumbest thing i've ever seen they actually had water run to each stall and you could you could hand fill from they had a little hose basically in each stall mm-hmm. and you could hand fill but they put the valve on the inside of the stall. Well, what's the first thing my hackney pony did is turn oh, yeah. that water on. <laughs> so. So we we see a lot of customers that um, like to try and, and DIY individual uh, spigots to individual stalls, and they'll run – you know, PVC yep, or PEX that's piping that's, yep. that's exposed to the horses. And uh, there, there's, there just is no secret code for running water to individual stalls other than a high-quality automatic water. Uh, we use and recommend Nelson heated automatic waters or a good old-fashioned frost-free uh, yard hydrant installed in the barn aisle itself. I I cringe every time I see the DIY individual waters run to a stall because they're either going to freeze and bust and flood a stall or you're going to have an inquisitive hackney pony chewing them (laughs) off the wall and (laughs) causing problems. That is so true. All right. The final thing we'll talk about in this segment, and we have a couple more segments that we'll be doing over the next few weeks, is floors. You know, uh, we talked about, we use lime rock down here. You talk about limestone. They call it lime rock here in Florida, Mm -hmm. but it's basically... uh, crushed up limestone that you can compact really tight. Um, But on top of that, you have to put your rubber mats. So talk to us about rubber mats. We see them for sale a lot now around here, but boy, the thickness and quality appears to be lacking in some of them. Yeah, not all mats are created equal. And if you ever grab a hold of a really high quality rubber mat, you'll you'll see that instantaneously. So uh, like you were saying, your base, your base in your stalls is everything. So that can be referred to in different manners across the country. So you can have ag lime, crushed limestone, uh, stone screenings pit and gravel, whatever, you know, in your stalls, you want a, a, a fine, granular, well-compacted, very level, stable surface, uh, and that really needs to be well compacted and, and very level. And then a high quality rubber mat. So we use uh, the highest quality rubber mat that we've been able to source. The The best thing about the mats that we use are they come in a larger format. So for a 12 by 12 stall, you can have two six by 12 mats interlocked with each other, uh, reducing the number of joints in the mat. We all know what it's like to have that perfectly sifted pitchfork full of manure and hit a uh, curled up joint in a stall mat and it all goes flying. Um, but your, your low cost, low quality mats, like you'll see at some of the local farm supplies, if you can grab that mat and really bend it over easily 
or if it cuts super easy with a utility knife, it's just not going to give you the service life that a super dense, uh, heavy, high-quality mat will. So you're looking for at least a, ha- a half uh Half inch thick, or yeah, or? half or five eighths is the most common. Okay. Do you mm-hmm. recommend them in the aisles too, or do you guys not? We, we, no, we do. Thing? We yeah. we use quite a few stall mats in the aisles. Now in the aisles, uh, what we like to see is a uh, an obviously an interlocking mat so they don't walk, they don't end right. up moving you down the aisle. Another great option there is pavers. So we do quite a few stall barns with uh, either the glue down or lay down interlocking style of paver. The paver makes a very nice, quiet, uh, safe, you know, high traction type of surface. They can be a little bit of a bear to keep clean. So you're going to want a a leaf blower or a vacuum or something to keep those pavers clean. Well, as I said, this is a several part series. So we're going to get into much more in the future segments that we do. Thanks, Dennis, for joining us. We really appreciate it. And, you know, whether you're doing stalls or stall barns or riding arenas, whatever it is, Morton has a building for you. They're professionally built for your needs. They really do take time to find out what you want. I've had a lot of friends that do Morton buildings. They they take time to find out exactly what you want what your budget is, and then they design a building just for you. So right now you can save through February on new buildings during their building value days. And to learn more, visit mortonbuildings.com slash project slash sequestrian. You don't have to remember that. We'll put it in the show notes right here. Or you can give them a call at 800-447-7436. That's mortonbuildings.com. Thanks, Dennis. Well, we have our next guest coming up, and we're going to be talking dung beetles. But before we do that, we wanted to let you know that Stateline Tech is doing its annual January warehouse clearance sale. Now, the, the number of items are very limited here. Uh, you basically take a risk. You buy it. It tells you how many items are left, but if somebody orders it before you, don't get it. So head on over there and give it a try. You may get something at a very discounted price. I'm looking how many pages that they have. A lot. They have 10 pages. To, oh, it says here 6,000 deals. So, uh Definitely head on over there to check it out today. I'm seeing coolers. I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing blankets. I'm seeing helmets. I'm seeing boots. Uh, matter of fact, they have the Oak Ladies Winter Paddock Boot for thirty percent off. I'm seeing that there, uh, and they just have a ton of different stuff. Uh, I know you. If you have some money left after Christmas, or you got some Christmas money, then now's the time to head to the warehouse clearance at StatelineTac.com. This horse health report is brought to you by Daily Dose Equine, non-GMO core nutrition for horses and ponies of all ages. We have Jane Myers on with us. She's from equiculture.net, and she's going to be talking to us today about dung beetles, and I'm so very excited. I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time. And Jane, where are you from? Where Where are you out of? Um, well, I live in the north of England currently. Um, we spent many years living in Australia, and that's actually where I learned a lot about dung beetles because dung beetles are um, a big business, if you like, over there. Um, but all countries, pretty much all countries have them. But, I, yeah, we were fortunate enough to live in Australia for so long and learn about them there and then apply that knowledge in other places that we've lived. So, yeah. Currently north of England. All right. Terrific. And, you know, we live, I live in Florida and, you know, we're, we kind of have the same, you know, 
nasty bugs and other things that Australia has. So we get a lot yeah. of dung beetles as well. And yeah. as a horse husband, you know, one of our jobs is we can do the simple stuff. So we get sent out to clean the paddocks and things like that. And of course, we're always running into dung beetles or you go out there and the poop piles are spread around and you're mad at the dung beetles. But mm. that's why we want to solve some of the misconceptions. The first question I have for you is how does a dung beetle know there's poop on the ground? Um, as far as I know, they smell it. Um, and they actually, they're actually always seeking fresh manure. So, for instance, if you spread composted manure on your land, that wouldn't attract the dung beetles. What they actually need is a fresh pile of manure, and they fly to that pile within, usually within hours of it being passed by the horse. So it has to be relatively fresh, if you like. So the they fly to the pile? Because we always see them digging holes and dragging it down with them, right? Um, yeah. But they fly to get to the pile? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes, yes, that. that's how they get around. Yeah, they, they, if you look at them closely, they have under, they're a beetle and you know, they look under that hard shell, that's a wing. Um, so, yes, they fly around. See, I know. I, usually I just, in the evening. It's usually the evening, as far uh, as I know, when they fly. Because I've only ever seen them dragging it down the hole, you know, when you go to ah, pick the pile yes. and they're, they're dragging it down the hole. So, are they good? What good things do dung beetles do for, it, for our, for our yeah. farms? That's a good question. I mean, there's a list as long as your arm, um, but they they are the world's dung management expert. And, and what they do with dung, as humans, we could never come close to doing what they do. So, for instance, they do things because they take it underground. Uh, first of all, they're, clear, they're getting rid of a lot of that manure off the surface. They're stopping you having to pick it up. They're taking the nutrients a long way down into the ground, so then the roots of the plants then have to grow much further down to reach those nutrients. So because the roots grow longer, the the grass above ground grows taller. Um, they're stopping manure from getting into the waterways. They're making it so that your horses will eat the whole paddock rather than leave certain areas. They And a really important one, which is why they got into them so much in Australia, is that they're vastly reducing how many worming chemicals you need to use on your horse because when they take worm larvae so far down underground, the worm larvae, those parasitic worms, have no way of getting back up to the surface. So when you have dung beetles working, you lose a lot less, if hardly any, worming chemical. And as we know, that's a huge deal because horses now, uh, well, the, the worms themselves are becoming... Um, Immune, not immune is the wrong word, um, resistant to the chemicals in worming chemicals. You know, they, they don't work on them as well. So uh, that's one of the other big pluses as well. So they've got numerous benefits. They are really, truly incredible creatures, much like a lot of things in nature. You know, if, if as humans we just learn to look at what nature does, nature already has it worked out. We just have to follow suit, really. So, you know, that's a good point. I'm wondering, does worm medicine affect dung beetles? In other words, if you and are... Yes, and, yeah. yeah, that's a good point, because that is a, the, the sort of catch-22 of the situation. If you if you use a lot of worming chemicals, you will actually be inhibiting the wor dung beetles on your land, because um, it, especially at the larval stage, um, if they take manure down to their larvae, which are underground and that has worming chemical in it, then often that will kill. There's slight differences in different chemicals, but it will kill the larvae. So then that next season, there'll be less dung beetles, um, if any, and so on. So um, it mainly kills them at the larval stage, but that's really important because, it, yeah, like I said, it kills next season's dung beetles. Um, so, But the thing is, if people learn about them, 
then they don't have to realise they don't have to use as much worming chemical, if any, and or manage it better, and then they'll help the dung beetles, and then in turn, in next year, they'll need even less worming chemical. So instead, we should be doing things like um, testing manure, having, having your horse tested, rather, a faecal egg count to see if it's got any worms in the first place or if it has a high level of worms, and only use those chemicals when they're absolutely necessary. And when you do use them... You know, perhaps keep the horse in a yard for a few days in a, in a tiny paddock or a yard, a surfaced area. Pick up all the manure and make sure that manure doesn't get out onto the land and affect the dung beetles. It's interesting. The last farm we were at here in Florida, we were there for like eight years, and we would get we would get the testing done and we very seldom had to worm in those eight years yeah. because the tests came back, but we had a lot of dung beetles at that property. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's very interesting. Yes. I never thought about putting the two together there. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. They totally correlated. So in Australia, they're actually saying that now in some areas, because dung beetles in, in ported dung beetles in Australia's case have been so successful that they're not actually going to have to use women chemicals at all in the future in some areas especially on cattle uh, and so on because they work for cattle as well as horses obviously all grazing out they work for all animals um but yeah so whereas australia had to import their dung beetles because they didn't have native large grazing herbivores naturally so they've had to import the dung beetles that go with those grazing her- large grazing herbivores um countries like us well areas like the americas and um, here in europe we already have dung beetles because the large grazing herbivores have always been here and so f- therefore dung beetles have always been here as well hmm. that's interesting I, I know i read one of the other things they do is because they do dig into the soil obviously they're aerating the ground like Absolutely. you would use a mechanical aerator to do to get more water down there to Absolutely. feed your grass right yeah. Again, another amazing thing. You know, instead of having to use a machine to aerate the soil, they're doing it for you, and they can go through the hardest, most compacted soil imaginable. Some of them, it's absolutely incredible what they can get through. You know, so again, another thing that means more water gets into the soil, more air gets into the soil. They just massively create, turn around the situation from hard, dead, compacted soil into creating life because also then somehow earthworms get the message that the soil is in, is going to be better for them and then they move in and then they do their thing as well which should, again massively improves your soil so you can just this little creature can turn your soil around from dead almost to um a, you know a wonderful rich soil they are absolutely amazing they really are you can tell i get very excited. i know i can tell and you know, what i always found amazing about them was uh this little tiny dung beetle can carry a piece of poop 10 times its size <laughs> it's just yeah, I, yeah I know. they're, they're also weightlifters apparently because yeah yeah they <laughs> do they amazing. eat the poop or do they eat something that's in the poop they take they take it down and it's the nutrients that are in it that they that their larvae feed on down uh, in the lower so down the in the soil. So when you think about it, there's lots of nutrients in that manure, horse manure or cattle manure or whatever they're taking down, um, and it's those nutrients that they then feed their um, larvae on. Now, now, out in Oklahoma, you're a little drier. Do you have a lot of dung beetles out there? In where? Sorry, in, uh, no, I'm asking Jamie. Do you have a lot in Oklahoma? She lives oh, in a, little, a much drier area than we do. Yeah, I I don't think I see a lot of those here. 
Yeah, you, you, there's huge variation in in where you see them. And it's not necessarily, because it can be too wet for dung beetles as well, but it's things like dung beetles, in order to actually get going, they need a certain amount, I don't know what exactly that amount is, but they need a certain amount of animals in a given area. So just say, for instance, if you're a horse property, but you surround it, you live in the suburbs, you wouldn't have dung beetles because they need other they need quite a large area of different of, of other grazing animals in order to survive you know, you know what i just heard glenn i heard her telling me that i need more horses <laughs> and yeah, i am right. <laughs> super happy to comply and a few cows as well yeah a few cows a few goats some cows like some that. camels yeah. whatever whatever poops you just need more of it yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah well what else what what what, do you, what takeaways do you want to leave us with as far as dung beetles are concerned don't squish I'd them. Say, I'd say just learn a little bit about them to people. Just, just We've got a video on our website, for instance, which will tell you all sorts of interesting facts and things. There's books out there. that There's a really good book written in Australia called Dung Down Under. And even though it's Australian, it's an absolutely fantastic book. And it's very tongue-in-cheek, very funny. Um, but just learn a bit about them because they can actually, they might turn your life around in terms of even if things like, you know, you're fed up of picking up horse poop. Yeah, suddenly there's no reason to do it anymore um, if you have, you know, the, as, long, as long as you don't have, say, 20 horses on an acre, then you yeah. will have to pick up your manure. Right. But when you have a reasonable, you know, level of stocking rate, then, you know, just, just that alone can make such a huge difference. But, yeah, it's something that's well worth learning about is what I would say. Learn about them and profit from them because they are just incredible. Jane, where can people find, what website do they go to to find the information? Uh, so you, you read it out earlier, but basically it's just equiculture.net. So equiculture, all one word, .net. And what and else do you have on there? You have, all kinds of, on there? you have all kinds of things about property management and pasture management, all yeah, kinds lots, of things on there. Lots on there, including a little free course that people can do. There's things about mulching, which is another really exciting, as far as I'm concerned, topic. Um, there's a little video on there about that. There's all sorts of videos. So, yeah, what, lots of things on there for people to learn about alternatives that will save them time and money and be good for the environment all at the same time. I think this is terrific. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. I'm finally learned about dung beetles. I learned something. <laughs> thanks so much, Glenn. I'm Jamie. Thank you. All right, Thank thanks, you. Jane. And thanks for telling me I need more horses. Absolutely. <laughs> Her husband will be calling you shortly, I think. <laughs> he will. That's okay. <laughs> Bye, yeah. Jane. Okay. Thank you. Bye. There you go. All you ever wanted to know about dung beetles. It is interesting because the farm that the horses are at now have a lot less of them. And it's kind of in a suburb. There's less horses. Where we were before, it was surrounded by horses and it was more rural and we had a ton of them. And she's right. We didn't have a worm problem there. Yeah, I remember them pretty significantly in Kentucky when I lived there. Like you would just, they would poop and five seconds later, there's (laughs) beetles in it. I'm like, how did they get there? This is so weird. I didn't know they flew. That was news on me, I thought, because I've only ever seen him come up and down and out of the ground. See, to me, that's terrifying. We all have our own thing. (laughs) (laughs) But it is interesting. Well, thank you to Jane. She's a wealth of knowledge on many different things that we never even thought to talk about before. So (laughs) we're going to hear from Daily Dose, and then we're going to do some weird news. Non-GMO whole food nutrition is the basis of the entire Daily Dose equine program. We never forget that natural is better and simplicity is key. Daily Dose Equine uses non-GMO whole food ingredients 
like alfalfa, timothy, peas, sunflower seeds, and flax. Daily Dose Equine doesn't use fillers, bulking agents, or leftovers from other industries. So you can feed less, yet improve body condition and energy. And our feeds are free from chemical residues and glyphosate. Find the perfect formulation for your horse at DailyDoseEquine.com. Select Daily Dose Equine formulations are available nationwide through Chewy.com and TractorSupply.com. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. Uh, yeah, that's 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 right. There's never a shortage of weird things happening in these United States, especially Florida, the South in general. But we're going to cover things that happen all over the globe today, Glenn. And I would like to thank these wonderful people for sending me weird news stories. If you're ever reading the news and you're like, that's super weird, email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com. Weird news in the subject line. Again, I cannot read all of y'all's dirty stories on the show, but I do really enjoy reading them about myself. So thank you for all of those. Um, the one about the guy cutting his wiener off, that was a little too much, but, uh, but it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you just did it. <laughs> don't don't slow down. Don't don't stop him. Yeah. Okay. So um, I would like to thank Victoria, Delia, Stephanie, Laureen, Claire, Allison, Alicia, Kaylin, Amanda, Danielle, Sandy, JoLynn, Maggie, Lindsay, and Laurie, all for sending me weird news stories. <laughs> team going there (laughs) i do i love it i love it so much so um you know i'm from georgia i was born in georgia my daddy's from georgia my whole family lives in georgia and so i feel like it's okay for me to do the accent of a place in the south so if you get offended send your complaints to jennifer at horseradionetwork.com she puts them in a special file okay uh so i'm going to talk to you about there was a lady and she was in she was a manager in training at mcdonald's and this is in high point north carolina and her name, let's say, I, I don't know her name, but it's not really important. So she is in training and she calls her husband and she's like, hey, there's some people here that is disrespecting me, disrespecting me at the McDonald's. And she called her husband and her husband was like, that ain't going to fly. That is not how things are going to work. So 57 year old Dwayne Waden came up to defend his wife's honor because she was getting disrespected while she was training to be a manager at the McDonald's in High Point, North Carolina. Well, he came up there and he was going to make it known that they were not allowed to disrespect his woman. And so he disrespected the guy who was disrespecting her by punching him in the face repeatedly and then trying to push the cook's head towards the deep fryer. He was going to push the guy's oh head God. in the deep fryer, oh. disrespecting his woman. Can you imagine how terrible that would be? <laughs> so several employees had to pull him off the victim. There was a large contusion on his forehead, his right eye scratches on his neck. And so, I mean, there, there's there's cameras in the McDonald's people. So there's video surveillance footage. Um, do you know who Dwayne Waden is? No, not Dwayne Wade, the basketball player, Dwayne Waden. He's the local pastor. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he is the pastor of Elevated Life Inter- International Ministries. They don't teach uh, turn the other cheek at that church. <laughs> no, they, they eye for an eye Punch at that the church. Other cheek. <laughs> oh my god. Fry the other cheek. <laughs> like it's not a great story until you realize he's a local pastor. <laughs> oh my god. I can and by the way, is there a McDonald's manager in the world that's not disrespected their home? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of part of the job. <laughs> I mean, oh my god. I'm still stuck on the frying part. Ugh. Oh God, it's terrible! Oh, by the way, he's in jail, so you know. Oh yeah, okay, uh, good. He, he's preaching a sermon in jail this Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Well, y'all, y'all. This time we're gonna stay in the South, okay? And this time we're gonna head to Alabama, okay? Because there was uh, a 42 year old Alabama man uh, was driving through town. It's just outside of Birmingham, and he wrecked his car right in front of. The Bass Pro Shop. Okay, y'all. So he wrecks his car in front of the Bass Pro Shop. And you know what he decides to do, Glenn? Well, he decides to strip down naked and run inside the Bass Pro Shop. And if you've ever been inside a Bass Pro Shop, they've got a really beautiful aquarium that they they show of all the fish that you can catch. It's a real big thing. So what this man decided to do was to run in there after stripping on naked and go for a swim. (laughs) So (laughs) what he did is he ran up to the aquarium and it says he did a quote cannonball leap into the aquarium. Now remember these are giant things and there's glass like halfway up. And so all that water from his cannonball like sploshed over the edge into this door. By the way, I would like to thank the person who sent me the video. Unfortunately, it was pixelated on his wiener, but I did appreciate the whole idea of I mean she sent it to me twice. She sent me like here's the story. Oh, by the way, I found the video. Here it is. And not only did he cannonball, then the police came and they said, Get out of the water, get out of the water. So he climbs out of the water and stands underneath the waterfall. That is also a part of it. And he's like, you know what? I'm not coming in. And so what does he do? He head first dives into the pool yet again. It's like this whole thing. It was like a whole five minutes of him swimming around in this tank, getting out, jumping back in. Because none of those cops were getting in to get him out. Well, how did they get him out, Glenn? A fishing how did pole? They get him out? Please tell me a fishing well, pole. <laughs> here's hook. what happened. So he he was up, pressed, pressed again, naked, up against the glass, like holding on, like right hand up, left hand up, head over the glass while his naked self was pressed against the we, glass. We get, and, the, we get the idea. <laughs> okay, just, just, you, I need getting feedback. I needed to know. So then he's like, I'm going to get out. And so what does he do? He climbs over the glass edge and falls. And it's like a, it's, you it's know, a story it's like a 30 high. foot, yeah, yeah. it's a story it's tall. <laughs> he falls, he climbs over. And I guess he thought the ground was right there. And no, he fell all the way down, knocked himself unconscious. And then they arrested <laughs> well, him. Made it easier to arrest him anyway. <laughs> I know. We didn't have to go in or nothing. <laughs> oh, drugs are bad, kids. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. Oh, my Thank God. You. <laughs> He has to been intoxicated on something. We just went Glenn, to Bass Pro Shops. I didn't see anything like that. I mean, you got to be in Alabama, Glenn. I mean, Florida, <laughs> you thought it'd be okay, but turns out you got to go to Alabama. Um, so now we are going to, do you know what a point breeze dog is? 
No idea, but our dog conversation on Monday got us got us in trouble. <laughs> yes, and speaking of the dog conversation on Monday, I had a study that showed where uh, the most what the most popular dog in each state was, and I didn't bl- I didn't buy it. So I went on to our auditor Facebook page and I said, "Okay, please let me know what state you live in and what kind of dog you have." I'm giving you till Thursday night, and then I'm going to compile the list and I'm going to write down each state. Uh, so I'm going to have a full report for you about these dogs. And not one person has mentioned that they have a point breeze dog. And I would like to tell you that is a good thing. I, it looks like, like a golden doodle, like a, like a poodle crossed with a hound, uh, like a hunting dog. I don't know. It's a really weird looking dog. Um, but he has very strange eating habits. That's right. Uh, his name is Cecil. Um, and, and they say he is a very good boy. Clay law is the owner. And he says, he's a very good boy. If you left a steak on the counter, he would not eat it. Okay. Would never ever do anything <laughs> wrong. Kind of doubting that myself. <laughs> Until uh, they were having some work done in the house and they were having to pay in cash. So um, Clay law put an envelope with $4,000 on his counter oh, um, no. for home improvements. And unfortunately about 30 minutes later, they went to get the money and they found their dog eating the money. Oh my God. $4,000 <laughs> gone. Well, as you can imagine, <laughs> that did not agree with Cecil's digestive tract. <laughs> Didn't agree with and anybody. So <laughs> they said he turned into what they called a doggy ATM. <laughs> <laughs> Please and tell they me they pulled... fished it out and washed it. They were pulling out money. They got together with the bank and the bank was like, here's what you're going to do. So they had to pull out the money, wash it. Build. Oh it came God. out of both ends, Glenn, both ends. Oh. Pulling these things and having to like, it's like money laundering, but like, really, uh, they had to wash the money. They ended up recovering $3,550. Oh, wow. Well, that's good. They got most of it back. <laughs> they got most of it back. A vet has checked the 100 pound Cecil and they say he's doing well. I, You know, you can, if you even have a part of a dollar bill or $10 bill or whatever, you can bring it in. They will replace it. I didn't know that they would replace it after this certain circumstance. I guess they, they said, here's what you're going to have to do. All of us that have owned dogs all our entire lives, there's been one point in the dog's life that you've had to dig through the poop for something they ate. You, we've <laughs> all done it. But I don't can't I'm imagine kind of pulling out that elect. many 20s. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't let $4,000 go, but most things, I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, today's oh. traumatizing. Frying heads, picking through poop. Traumatizing. Okay, so for this last one, I couldn't decide. Um, but one of our fantastic listeners sent us a newspaper headlines that push the limits of human stupidity. And uh, it's 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 kind of weird news stories but they're headlines of papers and i'm just going to read some of the headlines to you most of them actually ended up kind of being like a study show mm. kind of segment um but also just really like pre-read proofread i feel like a newspaper should have editors maybe mm. because if the not- ai wrote the titles and they never proofed it I think a lot of these are even before AI. So um, we're going to start with this one. It says homicide victims rarely talk to police. (laughs) 
that's true. You have to that's become a, smart to think about these. That is a true these. statement. Yeah, I mean, most of it's true. Like this one, breathing oxygen has been linked to staying alive. <laughs> study statistics, show. Statistics show, studies show that teen pregnancy drops off significantly after age 25. <laughs> I'd say it dropped off significantly at the age of 20 myself, but you know. Or, yeah, I mean, when you're not a teen. Uh, China may be using the sea to hide its submarines. (laughs) (laughs) Federal agents raid gun shop, comma, find weapons. (laughs) I have pictures of all of these, by the way. I'm not making these up. It's not somebody just wrote it down. I have pictures of them, and some of them, I've even read some of the article underneath. Uh, one is, a nuclear explosion would be a disaster. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, bugs flying around with wings are called flying bugs. <laughs> and apparently we can put dung beetles in that category. Yeah. yeah. Now this one, it took me a minute. Northfield plans to plan strategic plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I even like, so this is what I read a little bit. It says the EDA recently, this is how good they are at this newspaper. Okay. I don't know the, the place. Uh, the EDA recently created a steering committee to discuss the process of created a strategic plan for Northfield. <laughs> Y'all need help. Y'all need to hire yeah, more need employees. need to plan, to plan, to plan, to plan, to plan, and who's going to plan the plan? Jay Cronley wrote this wonderful article called One-Armed Man Applauds the Kindness of Strangers. <laughs> okay, that's just bad. That's just bad. <laughs> Sometimes you think maybe, like, they they wrote these to be funny. Um, that one was just rude. <laughs> uh, this one is, this is a sports one. Tiger Woods plays with his own balls, Nike says. <laughs> Okay, and the fact that it's Tiger Woods is kind of Mississippi's literacy program shows improvement. Well, only good. I'm is, glad. <laughs> only problem is Mississippi is spelled wrong. Oh, I thought you were going to say literacy <laughs> was spelled wrong. <laughs> um, survey finds fewer deer after hunt. <laughs> no, really. Wow. Barber shop. This one has a picture attached and everything. Barber shop singers bring joy to school for deaf. vibrations Um, Jamie it's the vibrations uh, yeah exactly Um, most earthquake damage has been found to be caused by the shaking (laughs) as opposed to (laughs) (laughs) now this one it's just punctuation is important people or I don't know rewording sentences this says students cook and serve grandparents Um, let's see. Yellow objects. Stoss. This is from like a, this is from like a, what are the newspapers that you read in the checkout line? Oh, like one of the entertainment today. Yeah. The weekly or this whatever. Is yeah. Yellow objects spotted in sky. Uh, yeah, it could be the sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Man found. Oh, here's our last one. Because a lot of these are awesomely inappropriate. I will go with this one. Man found dead in graveyard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Thank you, everybody, for sending in your okay, weird was, news We needed stories. that after these other stories to cleanse. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for sending your weird news stories. Again, if you see any, if you see a weird news, if you're, let me start over. If you are reading the news, I'm all flustered, uh, and you see a story that you're like, that's super weird, email it to me, jamie at horseradionetwork.com with weird news in the subject line. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Glenn. You're just awesome. I I, I needed a show like today, so it's mm, awesome. Yeah, thing. I think, I, well, you know, dung beetles, I think, was perfect for today. So. Just the stock <laughs> stuff. Stock some poop. All right, auditors, hang on. We'll be right with you. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I'm going to tell you in the post show something I'm doing that is very anti me. And tomorrow you can hear the NRHA. And Friday, really bad ads. And the, the dog survey results. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. Are you are you are you sitting down? No, I'm actually standing up, but I'm okay. I'm braced. You bra- <laughs> okay, brace yourself. Uh, so the local uh, our area, our like area of eventers, the local eventers in this area have like a year year end. Um, uh, banquet yeah, yeah. every year. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I was a guest speaker at it. It was awesome. Super fun. And one of our um, auditors, Patty Otto, is actually the president of this association. It's called Okta and Oklahoma Combined Training Association thing. Uh, so they're having a and they're having their year end thing. And uh, they asked for donations for the silent auction and also a tax sale that they're going to have. And so I went in my tack room, Glenn. And what are the two things that a woman and the other thing that a woman, horse woman should never get rid of Mm. saddle pads and bits. bits. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Saddle pads and bits. So I, over the years have amassed, I've had horses for, see, I was six when I got my first horse and six and I'm 46. So 40 years of owning horses, Glenn, I've amassed quite the collection of bits. <laughs> I mean, so much so that I have a, I keep all my bits in a, now mind you, I have 10 bridles hanging up with 10 different bits on it. Cause I'm kind of like a nerd about that kind of stuff. Um, and so I've got 10 bits that are hanging up, but I also have an entire, uh, what is a toolbox toolkit. I've taken everything out of it and it's just full of bits. I donated like 15 of them. Really? Yes. Wow. Yes. Good for you. And how many saddle pads? Well, I cleansed myself of saddle pads years oh. ago and I'm on the uptick on those right now. So I'm, I can't, <laughs> I, I'm still collecting that. Like I'm reintroducing yeah. a collection of saddle pads. You started um, over, new collection. Yes, yeah, I started over. I'm, I'm actually, to be fair, like most of my saddle pads that I got rid of were when I had the riding school in Arizona. So I had a lot of saddle pads that the students liked that were like multicolored and really cute. And so when I moved here, I donated a lot of the saddle pads. So I only moved here with like four and I'm only up to like 12 now. 
maybe 14. And I'm sorry, that's not enough. Uh, so we're still going on those, but the bits, I mean, I did. So, so some of the bits, like I remember it was my horse Marche, like this was his bit that I had. And I, I got him when I was 10 years old. So I saved all the ones that were special to me, but I think that my knowledge in bit technology, just my knowledge has increased. And I was like, do I really need a loose ring Dr. Bristol? And I was like, oh, this is the one that I had for Jet when he was trying to buck me off on cross country. And I was like, do I need a gag bit? No, probably not going to need that again. So I, I threw, I didn't throw them away. I'm donating a lot of bits and riding pants and boots. I'm so oh my proud God. of you. Thank you. It's growth. I, That's growth. Maturity even. Thank you very much. I feel, well, she hasn't come and picked him up yet. <laughs> so they, in fact, so have not been quite donated yet. And I was going through the riding pants and I was like, I'm going to donate all these. And I was packing them away in the bag. And I was like, well, I don't think I should donate that one. Oh, I might wear that one. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm pretty proud of myself. And uh, hopefully they'll make some money and uh, keep all of them. And I am going to actually attempt to sell a saddle in the used tax sale. Oh, my God. What is wrong with me? Who am I? <laughs> You were talking about speaking there. Did I ever tell you about the speaking of Lexington, Kentucky? Did I ever tell you about the time I announced a local horse show, a jumper show? Oh, no. Yeah, you? I know. I know. So Samantha, I think, did it. And then she You couldn't... can't pronounce your own name. That's what, that's what. So this is part of the story. So Samantha, I think, did it. Samantha Clark, who was my co-host for the 2010 show, I think was doing the announcing. She's perfect British voice for doing announcing. She's great. She does a lot of announcing. and then, But she couldn't do it. And it's a local show with a lot of kids, but it's all day. Like, you know how those local shows go. There's just a lot of kids and a lot of people doing, you know, six-inch jumps. Um, so I, they called me and said, well, you got to do it. We don't, we don't have anybody else and you'll be good at it. You do the radio. And I said, you guys don't understand. I cannot pronounce <laughs> names. I will screw up every name that they have. And of course, horse names are always like ridiculous and I can never pronounce them. So they said, well, we'd really like you to do it. So I went over and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to have fun with this because if I try to do this seriously, it's going to be a nightmare. So I had fun with it. I mean, I had a good time. I was one of those announcers that was encouraging the kids on and just had a good time with it. I think I only used first names and then I would mess up the horse name and I would tell them they could come tell me how to say it later. And then I would actually correct it later. And I kind of made it a comedy bit all day. And uh, I thought, well, that's good. The word's going to get out and I'll never be asked to do that again. <laughs> so, so sure enough. The next show, they called me and said, you were such a big hit. People loved you. They want you to come <gasps> back. What? I, and it was, I think it was because it was a lower level show and I just had a blast. I was goofing around with the kid. I was just having fun. And I think that they just had fun. I think the kids just well, had fun. That is true. Like there's so much pressure that children put on themselves in these situations. It probably really helped them relax. Well, like if they had a cute pony, I would say they had a cute pony. You know, I would just comment on them. And I know you're not supposed to do that at horse shows, but I screwed up every name it was all a day. Show. <laughs> so I had to do something to make up for my screw ups. And I just, I, nobody should ever ask me to do anything that has to do with names. They had Never. me do an awards show once for a dressage oh, association thing. And that one I had to get, I had to go through with them all, all ahead of time and say, okay, how do I pronounce this? I will never do that again. I was not no, good at that. That's not fun. That's stress. But you and, and I announcing a horse show, we could make really fun. I mean, <laughs> well, I mentioned that horse Marche that, uh, I have the bit from and, um, 
my friend, I, I, I showed in these horse shows growing up called Rolling Hills Saddle Club. And it was one weekend a month. And it was at the Wills Park in Alpharetta, Georgia. I still remember when I was 16 years old, my mom was like, thank God, here's the keys. I don't have to go to your horse shows anymore. <laughs> so I used to have to drive myself in Atlanta at four o'clock in the morning, go to the barn, hook up the trailer at 16. Who does that? Hook up the trailer, load the horse, go to the horse show, be there all day. My mom would give me $20 um, to buy food and gas. And we all know horse show food is really conducive to uh, vegetarians. <laughs> very healthy, very healthy. And yes, I was a vegetarian back then. So I would have fries. Um, so anyway, my horse's name, show name was Lookout and renamed him after like the year I got him a hundred years previous, the Kentucky Derby winner was a horse named Lookout. And I was like, that's cool. And it was a chestnut and my horse was a chestnut. And I've just, it was like a big deal to me to have this name. Um, and so his name was Marche. Nobody could ever pronounce it. Paul Marche was his actual name, um, but nobody could pronounce it. So I changed it to Lookout. Everybody could pronounce that. And my friend, Jesse, her dad, Steve, was the announcer at these horse shows every <laughs> single freaking time. And Jesse was my like horsey best friend. I'm pro I'll probably t tell him way too many details, but it was hilarious. So Steve, Mr. Kirshner, I called him, uh, would, was the announcer and she, he would say, and now entering, and I was number 109. It's still it's amazing how much crap you remember from back in the day. Now entering number 109, Jamie Massey and look out every freaking show. He would do that to me and scream the word, look out, like everybody look out. Somebody out there has to ask the two of us to host a show, like a small show. I don't want to do a big show, too much pressure. But, you know, with the little kids shows, we, we could no, just have a blast. here's what I want to do. I want to commentate on like a television network feed. You know how they like oh, yeah. commentate it? Well, like Rover. Wendy ended up doing for driving it on NBC for the World Equestrian Games. Yeah, but we're not going, we're going to, nobody's going to ask us because it's not going to be like, well, her presentation oh. at the base of the third fence was quite no, delightful. We're going to be like, gonna what's be his like, name doing the Olympics? It's more going to be like that. Like, holy yeah. shit, I can't believe it didn't fall <laughs> off. Good God. What is wrong with that horse? <laughs> oh, anybody that wants us to commentate, let us know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me check my email. That's one thing like, we yeah. have not done together. <laughs> so I think yeah. that would be hilarious. But yeah, that was one of my fond memories. I did not do it the second time. I couldn't do it for some reason. I don't remember why. Uh, but I, I was nervous. I done so. I did acting on stage in front of hundreds of people in a dress and tights. Yet announcing <laughs> at a little horse show was a big deal because I knew it had names involved. Glenn, I, I, in my radio career, I used to MC concerts. You used to like, introduce the big names, right? Like, yeah, 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 like 40,000 people. I remember 40,000 people. I am at the concert on the bricks in Atlanta, Centennial Olympic Park. And I am, my hair was like down to my waist, long hair. I was wearing oh, you like. You really did have long hair one time? Oh. Uh, Oh, I've always had long hair, but this was like down long, to my waist, long, yeah. long hippie looking. And I was wearing like leather, pleather pants. And like, <laughs> you know, I was really skinny and I was wearing something real sexy. And I was announcing, I think I told you this, I was announcing the Alanis Morissette concert. Okay. Okay. And so it was sponsored by the radio station Star 94 that I worked at. And so I had to go on stage. I did Hootie and the Blowfish. I announced that. I didn't do them. I announced them. And then this one was Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Now, Just if you know what, a, what you said, yeah, thank you. Um, I did not do hoodie. Okay. 
so uh, he so Alanis, you know, if you know what Alanis Morissette looks like, yes, she kind of looks like me. Long hair down to her She's waist. She's not tall either, is she? No, we're pretty much the same like kind of person, really, like the same shape. And again, this is at Centennial Olympic Park, and there's forty thousand people. And so I go, and I'm like, oh, that is you Morissette. You know, she kind of does look like you. Yeah, yeah. And or let me tell you why. Maybe let me tell you why I know that is because. At the end of the concert, I had to go out and thank our sponsors and thank the artists, but mainly just list the sponsors. So she does this amazing show. Everybody's so excited. And then she's done and she walks off the stage. And then I walk out on the stage to thank the sponsors and I walk out. And oh, the place fucking goes crazy. <laughs> they go crazy. Like, oh, my God. And I was like, mm, I, I would oh, like sorry. to thank our sponsors. 40,000 people collectively went, oh, <laughs> 40,000, Glenn. And as you're thanking the sponsors, they've all left. <laughs> Everybody is pissed. And mad that I'm not Alanis Morissette coming out for an encore. Okay. So thank you for that. Now, the point of that was I can announce for 40,000 people, yet I used to have to host movie premieres in a theater and I would stand at the bottom of the theater and I'd do trivia questions. I was so nervous for that. So nervous for that. But yet, standing on stage and getting booed. Isn't it uh, funny what we get nervous about? And it's probably because we're it's what we're most uncomfortable about. Like, you know, I could take a stage as a king and be, do it all day. Um, I can speak in front of 1,500 people at PodFest to do the opening keynote, and I'm not nervous at all. But yet you do these stupid little things and you're nervous. Well, I don't know why that is, but it definitely is a thing. And I'll never forget uh, the collective sigh of 40,000 people hearing my voice. <laughs> and then you don't have their attention. I mean, you're done. You're just done at that point. No, everybody. Yeah. I mean, I knew everybody would be filing out anyway. But the fact that they all collectively. <laughs> oh, do you know what that sounds like coming at your face? 40,000 people sighing their disappointment at seeing you. Did you, did beforehand, and I assume, did you get to meet the acts or did you not even get to meet the acts when you were announcing them at that point? So um, we had Maroon 5. Yeah, I met all of them. All, I mean, it was like a, it was a thing. I was standing on stage with yeah. them. You made them a whatever. Um, but did you but, talk to them ahead of time before you would go out? So I would, I talked to like, I became, this is sounds so weird, but I became friends with Darius Rucker from Hootie and the Blowfish because he was constantly coming through town. He's from North Carolina. He did a lot of concerts for us and a lot of stuff. And uh, the first time I met Darius Rucker, this is the tale telling a tale of celebrity right here is uh, I'm leaving the on the bricks concert series and their tour bus is parked right outside. And I had been talking to them beforehand and like how they wanted to be introduced like like a basketball team, like it's six, six, Jerry's rock, you oh, know. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we had a lot of fun with it. And then uh, I, I'm walking out down the street again. Let me tell you that I was like 115 pounds with long hair and like makeup on. It was back in the day, you know, in your 20s. And uh, I hear this, the bus, and I hear it vibrating, like thudding, thud, 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 thud. And the doors open, and here comes Darius Rucker running off the bus up to me. <laughs> He's like, hey. Hey, we were wondering if you wanted to, to come and hang out with us and all that. And I was like, Darius, let me tell you something. One thing I do know is I was told to never get on Hootie and the Blowfish's bus. I was <laughs> like, they told me. That? Yes, I did. <laughs> 
And so for years, every time I saw him, please hang out with us, please hang out with us. And funny enough, like he ended up going country. And that was when I went to the country. I'm going to tie it all together for you. I told him it, I was at the country station. He was hitting on me. I was like, Darius, I got to tell you, I know you don't remember me, but I would like to thank you for being consistent. You have consistently <laughs> hit on me for 10 years. So I guess I was this type. Anyway, long story. I am stuck in a horrible job in Georgia, in Atlanta, working for 94.9 The Bull with the bu- biggest bunch of assholes and dicks. And I've signed a three-year contract. I am stuck at this job for three years. And I go And you to, were making good money, but money is not worth it at that oh, point. Oh, no. it was stupid money. I yeah. mean, what? I, I It was stupid. Like $120,000 a year plus all the appearances. And stuff. I mean, it was stupid, but I hated my life. And that's when I met Chad. Was I, I signed this contract in January, and then I met Chad in February. And so I was, but I was stuck. And he's in the military and I'm here. So either we have to break up or get, you know, I, something has to happen. Um, and so I go to the CMA awards, the country music awards in Nashville. And at this point I've gotten to know Darius pretty well. And like, and you he were the was one there. that got away that he never got. Yeah. I you were the got. challenge. <laughs> yeah. And so we're at the CMA awards and I'm this radio station from Phoenix and this is all clear channel. So I worked for this one and it was all clear channel radio stations. And I see this, uh, the Phoenix country morning show. And so I, I go up and I'm like, Hey, my boyfriend lives in Phoenix. You know, I'm start talking to him. And I was like, if you ever have any job openings and I could transfer, that would be great. Then we're like, we don't have any job openings, but thanks. You know? So anyway, that night, they are, Darius is like, what? Let's go hang out. And I was like, you know what? So I called the guys from Phoenix and I was like, Hey, let's go out. I'm going to bring a friend. And I took <laughs> Darius out to dinner. You now, used him. <laughs> oh my God, Glenn. He, I, I left because they partied all night long because they're on Phoenix time zone and I'm in Atlanta and I have to start working at freaking five in the morning and they don't work till 10, you know, cause of time change. And so they stay out with Darius and he ends up singing karaoke in bars. They partied with him all night and it was all because of me. Great. Four days after being back in Atlanta and my shitty job, I get a phone call from Phoenix and they were like, Hey, We've got some hours open up if you're really <laughs> serious about it. And that's how I got out of my concert was because of Darius Rucker getting drunk with the Phoenix people. I love so that really- he wanted to use you and you end up used him, using him. I think that's perfect. <laughs> I will say the one line he said to me, Jamie, I haven't cheated on my wife in like four years. Wow, that is a big <laughs> selling point, Darius. Please, no anybody repeat that. I guess it doesn't matter. It's statute of limitations. <laughs> How old is he now? It doesn't matter. He's still super famous and rich and still writing hits. So it's fine. <laughs> he's actually really fun. I mean, clearly very fun, cool guy. But yeah, it was hilarious. Oh, he's there only fifty-seven. Go. Yeah, he's a baby. I mean, geez. Yeah, he's only fifty-seven. I, I, I didn't. I, I thought he would have been older. Huh. Well, that's funny story. Funny story. Okay. Well, there you and go. And that's how I'll we ended up getting you. Uh-huh. Whole, right. That's the roundabout way you ended up working here. Yeah, so. because when I moved to Phoenix, I didn't. I worked part time for the them, and then my boss at KNIX got fired, and so just nobody really knew I worked there because I was only <laughs> doing part time. And and like 
the boss got fired, the program director, and they just didn't call me anymore <laughs> because nobody knew I worked there. I was hired by this one guy who went out and got drunk with Darius. <laughs> what would have happened though if you? I mean, you would have had to work out that contract, right? Yeah, that was those are pretty yeah. ironclad. You you do it or die. Oh no, I mean, I had an entertainment lawyer, Glenn. Like that's how big a deal these are. But the fact that they tr they were able to get me out of my contract by transferring me to another Clear Channel station. That's the only way I got out of it. Wow. And it's all thanks to Darius Rucker. <laughs> Someday I'll thanks. tell you the story about how my radio career began and owes all of its thanks to a guy named Jeff Foxworthy. That's next <laughs> yeah. time. I don't know that we've <laughs> talked about that one. I know you mentioned Jeff was responsible, but I don't know if we're going to... Okay, another day. Another day. Another day. I'm we'll done. We'll do Jeff Foxworthy. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to our uh, drivel. And uh, if you ever want us to announce your show, all you have to do is pay our expenses, get us there, and we'll come ruin it for you. <laughs> We'll do our best. Congratulations. You made it through I promise another to pronounce every name wrong. Thank you for all and your I don't support. even have to do it intentionally. Now, go ride your horse. <laughs>